Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday at 7, right here, we'll be on Seattle Sports Station 710 at Bellevue Square Center Court. And right now, actually, I'm with... My guy, Brian Walters, Paul Moyer, is doing Paul Moyer things, so he's filling in. And we got our guy, Mike Morris, joining us live. Give it up one time for my dude here. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff, man. Mike Morris, man. So, um, you know, it's been a journey. I love talking to players and asking them about, you know, when they fell in love with the game and when they realized, like, I might be pretty good at this. Was there a moment in, in your, your, your youth or coming up where you were like, I'm dominating I might be able to do this. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. When I, uh, when I was a baby, like when I was two years old, like my mom took a picture of me like holding a football. And I was holding it. I had my hands on the stripes. Like I was ready to throw the ball. <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, that's when I knew you are going to be a football player. <laughs> but um, I don't know because uh, in middle school, I had to stop. I was too big to play football. <laughs> so I had to stop playing football and play basketball for a little bit. And then I played my freshman year um, in, in high school because my mom made me. And um, I fell back in love with the game. And then I realized how good I was. Eventually got offers from like Florida State, my dream school at the time, and so many other schools. And that's when I really knew I could really go the distance with the sport. See, all the athletes play basketball. They do. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Play, play the sports. Uh, you mentioned you had an offer from Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. Your dad went to Florida State, played offensive yes. line there, correct? So what went into your, pro, uh, your, you know, your decision of, of going to Michigan over a school like Florida State, your dream school, as you said? Um, it just came down to uh, just I had some friends on the team prior to because I was committed since I was a freshman. So I had some friends on the team. They said the program really wasn't what it is. So it was more so just like, uh, I'm not really. Let me, let, me, let me venture out and see what else there is. So ended up coming down to two schools, Tennessee and uh, Michigan. And uh, I chose two schools, prayed over it, and uh, got some signs and made the best of it. Nice. And you chose Michigan. You're from Florida. <laughs> yeah. And it's Crazy. humid in Florida. I mean, I remember I was Crazy. training for the league in Florida. I remember driving around the turnpikes and seeing big iguanas just mm-hmm. chilling up there. Like, And then you go from tropical to the Midwest. Midwest. What was that like? Crazy. I remember in November, I, was, I had surgery, and I was on crutches. And um, we had a snowstorm. They said it was going to be a snowstorm. It went from, like, 50 degrees is perfect weather. It went from 50 to, like, negative 2 overnight. <laughs> and then we had, like, like, 2 feet of snow that night. So me and all the guys from Florida, Georgia, we're all going to class together. We have class together. And I'm on my crutches. I look outside, see 2 feet of snow, and I'm like, yeah, we all went back inside. <laughs> and we just, we just took the L in class and just... But, yeah, it, it was a culture shock. It was freezing bundled up oh it was bad it was bad but it was it was so worth it it was so worth it it is the same experience actually we had three feet of snow on spring ball in upstate new york so i I understand where you're coming from yeah it snows in april yeah it's crazy (laughs) it's the spring of all time right it snows in april you only get sun from maybe like you'll get sun may june july august Uh uh-huh September on, you're getting clouds, and it's kind of similar to this, without the rain. Right. But you get snow, which is so much worse. So I can deal with the rain. I'm cool with that. Right. 
Uh, I want to ask you, so I've, I read that your sister uh, was a grad assistant at Michigan mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah. football program as well. What was that like? Kind of uh, it was around? amazing. It was amazing to see my sister just uh, kind of break records, just reset the standard of how of uh, women, in, uh, especially in football, not only in sports. And uh, it was just amazing just to see just to see her in that position and to see her working with a team, like being kind of like a big sister to all the guys. Um, and it was just an amazing experience for me just to see that and her be a part of something really special. Very cool. Especially being my senior year. It was, it was really special. Nice. Man, speaking of special, um, you were really excited when one of your boys got drafted um, to the Seattle Seahawks. We got some sound of you reacting to Olu. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks drafted your teammate a couple picks later. Uh, what's your scouting? Yeah, oh, oh, Timmy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was so happy. I was happy. I, just, I totally disregarded everything that was going on with me, and I was strictly on Olu. And I was like, bro, we're lit. We're lit. That's love right there, man, mm-hmm. because, I mean, people understand it, but you don't really understand it in, unless you're in it, right? Yeah. You're, you're in, in college. You're going to class. You're seeing snow two feet high you're going yeah. to practice you're you're grinding you're winning you're losing and then you get to have an experience with one of your teammates mm-hmm. man um something that everyone dreams about what was that moment like oh man it was great as soon as i because like the seahawks had the 51st and i the 151 and like the 154 and they're like three picks after and then my i'm like i'm talking to all the um all the news reporters who want to talk to me. And then I just see on the screen, Olu, Olu, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I was just so hyped because uh, just the kind of player he is, like Remington, Outland winner, just an amazing player, amazing leader, just uh, an amazing presence to have in your locker room. He's just an amazing guy. And I just love to go to work with him, battle with him, and just feed off of his energy that he's giving me. And I just love that he's on my team with me. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, you guys went at it. Mm-hmm. Every day in Michigan, and now you get yeah. to do the same thing. Yeah, Zach Charbonnet too. Even though he left, but yeah, him right. too. Yeah. So I was, I, I called him immediately. I was like, bro, like we're lit. You got like, two of your boys on, my squad. boys on the squad. That's dope. And yeah. also the cra- other crazy thing, I played against Kenny McIntosh in high school. Wow, dang, yeah, wow. Wow. World, so huh? crazy. All right, wow. yeah, also That's... beat Jackson twice. <laughs> <laughs> get it in there. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I got to ask you this. I ask all rookie this, this pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what was your or have you had your your welcome to the NFL moment where either you say, wow, like this is this is next level or man, I can do this. I can, you know, really uh, succeed in, at this league or, or, you know, what was your moment that really uh, shocked you, I guess, coming into the league? Um, I'm not going to lie. Going against uh, Phil, our uh, our right tackle, I mean, our right guard, going against Phil every day, he was like. I'm coming into the locker room as a rookie. I see this big dude just swole, strong, <laughs> biceps the size of my face. And I'm like, dang. And I remember he grabbed me one time. He grabbed me. And I was like, I can't do anything. Like, you, know, you know? And um, I, think, I think just going against him, going against Abe, going against uh, Charles, and the whole O-line uh, definitely was a welcome to the it's, well, it's a welcome to the NFL moment every day in practice. And I'll probably say the moment where I realized I can play this game was a long time, for a long time was definitely uh, this past Sunday mm-hmm. with the Rams. Um, I was playing nose a little bit, a position that I was kind of very uncomfortable with because I never really played nose. I went from outside linebacker to three-tech to then playing nose on a Sunday. And I'm like, oof, this is going to be a long day. And I'm like, dang, I'm about to get double teams, all kind right. of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just take it on the chin and, and really try to figure this out. And then... As I'm playing, 
like there were three plays where it just went past because I was just so nervous. And then like I got finally settled in and everything just got so quiet. Mm. And then everything just started moving so slow. And I was like, hold on. Like, why is everything moving so slow? In practice, everything moves fast. Uh And I'm like, in the game, it's like, bro, everything is so slow. Like, I can see the ball snap. I can see this dude moving, this dude coming back to me. I'm like, wait, let me see something. And I I just started getting off the rock crazy. And I just started causing, like, um, a lot of chaos in the backfield. And I'm just like, yo. This game is really easy once you just dumb it down. Because uh-huh. practice is really the hard part. But like once you get into the game, it's just everything's slow, calm, and it's like you're in your element. That's the best feeling in the world, too, ain't it? Oh, it's the best feeling in the world. It's like, it's just, it's calming. It's like, I go to sleep, my, um, I gotta go to sleep with noise. I like mm-hmm. that, that noise, and I got like the ocean mm-hmm. as our play. And the the slowest the game ever felt to me, it felt like I was just on the beach just listening to the ocean go. So mm-hmm. that's awesome that you got that feeling your very first game yeah. in the league. So I know, how it, I know how it feels, and I know how it should feel. I know how it should look. And uh, it just it just boosted my confidence so much. So you you had to put on some weight though, right? I man, I okay from the combine I went from two. Actually, I was like two eighty going into the combine. Uh-huh. They weren't really feeding us like that because we had so much medical stuff. I ended up losing like seven eight pounds in the combine. Got down to like two seventy five, and then at uh, pro day I was like two seventy four. And then all the way, I got drafted by the Seahawks, and they wanted me to get, gain weight. Ended up at draft day uh, weighing in like 290, and now I'm 300. Dang. You're 300? Damn. I'm 300. Sneaky times. 300. Yeah. yeah like, you don't really know. It sneak up on you real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they had you over there at, uh, taking on them double teams. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. You don't look 300 at all. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, it's crazy. I'm going to stick to the outside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, are there, is there a, uh, a, like a veteran that's really helped you so far uh, make the adjustment? Uh, I would definitely say Jaron Reed, uh, Draymond Jones, and uh, Mario Edwards. Yeah. Them three. I think Rio's on year eight or nine. Jay Reed's on year nine. And uh, Dre just got a second contract. He's on year five. And those three have helped me a lot throughout this process in terms of just like understanding the ball understanding the game understanding what different formations they're going to give you certain things so once you cheat that system the game just also gets so much easier just teaching me all kinds of tips and tendencies and plus them playing these teams for nine years five years it's it's kind of very vanilla and it's very a copycat league so as i'm learning all these things like i'm a high iq guy so i look and i look and listen to everything that they're saying and not taking anything that they're saying for granted how hungry are you guys to get back out there this Sunday and oh, kind of man, wrench I'm, wrong? I'm so hungry because looking back at the film, looking back at everything that was going on, that game was easily winnable uh, up at halftime. And uh, it's something that we can't harp on, but it's something that we got to correct and look at to reflect and fix. And now it's, uh, it's on to the next right now. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, for coming over and hanging yeah. out with us. I know Great Thursday stuff. isn't super convenient at 8 mm-hmm. o'clock, but uh, you did it for us, man. That's Mike Moore. Yeah. You guys watch this guy. He'll be all over the field. All right, when we return, we'll go inside the film where we're going to break down some plays. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. 
You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts at 7 every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Brian Walters. This is the time where we go inside the film room and break things down. The very first play we're going to break down, Gino finds DK for a 10-yard touchdown. 12th play on the drive, second down and nine. Charbonnet stays in the backfield. Here comes the blitz. Gino has time. Throws it over the top. Metcalf! Touchdown! Seahawks! The Rams blitz. They go to a man-to-man on DK Metcalf. Not a chance, baby. Gino Smith lofts it up over the top from 10 yards out. Metcalf has now tied Daryl Turner for sixth place on the Seahawks' all-time receiving touchdowns list with 36, and they made it look easy. Yeah, man. Tell me what you saw, B. Hey, this is, uh, you know, the Rams show kind of a late, almost a cover zero. Uh, You know, we were kind of debating what it is with this safety. Um, Looks that he's trying to cover the running back, but the running back stays in to block. But this is the perfect play call against this uh, cover zero. And and Gino doesn't need to make a check or anything. This is just a straight-up call almost guessed right because of the, the the Rams. A lot of times in cover zero, you'll show cover zero, right? right. So you know it's man-to-man. Uh-huh. You better win. But this is kind of a late developing cover zero where, where they show it. They try to delay it. They try to show late. The, the linebackers come from depth. Uh, the safeties are deep, and they come in and play man late. And and so Gino doesn't necessarily, he can't see it right away. And so this is the play called. A lot of, you know, we used to have a check where every time we'd see cover zero, we would check and, and have a guy nod and go over the top because that's how you beat him. You beat cover zero on a quick double move. Right. And that's exactly what the Seahawks have called right here. They have on the outside, they have mirrored routes on, on each side of the football. They have uh, DK running a, a slant and go, a sluggo. And uh, I think it was JSN in the middle yep. uh, running a, like a snag route, right, which is a little slant, and then you come back flat to the sideline. And so there's two double moves, and that was mirrored on both sides with the wide receivers on the top. And it's just perfect because the DBs are taught when you have no help and you have pressure coming, they can jump these quick routes because, you know, you're expecting – pressure to get to the quarterback so if you see a route you're jumping it and that's where the interceptions happen so the the corner for the rams jumped dk's initial slant move and that allowed him uh dk to put his foot in the ground go to the end zone and gino threw a perfect ball off his back foot with pressure lobbed it to the corner and that was a touchdown you gotta love it you gotta imagine that gino got to the line of scrimmage and said oh yeah manned up (laughs) number 14 you ready i'm going right to you right uh just because DK being so big, and his route running has really evolved over the past, what, three, four seasons, man. So nice to see Gino and DK getting on the same page early. This next play, Jay Reed blocks a 57-yard field goal attempt by the kicker from the Rams, Brett. (laughs) Here's a 52, make it a 57-yard field goal attempt from Brett Maher off the right hash mark. It gets blocked. It's rolling near side. It's picked up by the Seahawks. It's Michael Jackson. Looks to cut back inside. Gets ripped to the ground by the Rams. But a blocked field goal. And I see Jaron Reed holding his hand up in the air. That might have been him who blocked it. 
nothing like special teams. That's where you, uh, you can win and lose games on special teams, right? You get a big return, you can win a game. You get a block, you can win a game. And when you see things like that, those are hidden points and, and hidden plays that at the end of the game, they can affect it so much, but people kind of forget about them. So it was nice to see the Hawks kind of get after the, the field goal kicker here. Uh, what you see on this play? You know, the Seahawks have a, looks like a, a block right would be called, or, uh, you know, from the Seahawks' perspective, the block is right. So they are overloading on the right side, and, you know, the end's coming around, and, and they're trying to just get all the push they can from the center uh, to, the, uh, to the right of the center. And uh, because, you know, it's a longer field goal. It's a, you know, it's a 50-yarder, 50-some yarder. The kick's going to come off low, and he, the kicker is going to be kicking it slightly left, right, because they're on the right hash. Uh-huh. So you're going to call that block right. And everything is, is set up perfect here for the Seahawks. Um, you know, Mike Jackson's doing his job. When it's a block right, the guy on the opposite side is there for scoop and score is what we'd call it. And, and if the ball is blocked, then he is ready to scoop that thing and start running for the touchdown. And unfortunately, this wasn't blocked backwards, right? It was blocked to the side. Otherwise, this was a touchdown for the Seahawks. So Mike Jackson had to actually retreat, go get the ball, and then uh, return it. But it was just a well-executed field goal block play, as I would say. You know, I was never on these. I don't know why. I mean, I would love to (laughs) stuff the middle and try to block a field goal. But... um, it was, it's just an exciting play. You don't see this very often anymore. You don't see a lot of blocked no. field goals. It's tough. So when you can pull it off and everything works exactly, Jaron Reed was able to get his hand up. And, and that's what you do. A lot of times it's, I hate to say it, a little bit of luck. I mean, you're just putting your hand out. You hope that ball. There's not a lot of space for that ball to hit. Right. And you stick your hand up in the right spot, you get the block. And a lot of good things can happen. Last year, correct me if I'm wrong, faithful 12s, Tariq Woolen blocked one, and Mike Jackson scooped and scored against the 49ers. That could have been his second one in two years. How awesome would that have been for Mike Jack? All right, this last one, we got Matthew Stafford. He finds Tutu Atwell for a 44-yard game. Rams 7 of 9 on third down. This a third and 8 from his own 48. Stafford from the shotgun. Here comes the rush. Stafford stands strong. He's going to let it fly. Got a man out there. It's Atwell. He makes the catch. He's down inside the 10, down to the 7. Trey Brown chased him all the way across the field, but Atwell just ran right past the Seahawks as he went in motion and then cut back outside, and two defenders literally ran into each other, and that allowed Atwell to run open a 45-yard game. Oh, man, unfortunately, one of the uh, the big plays of the game, and this kind of this shows the struggles that this secondary had when it comes to the Rams. You and I were talking off of air. We were saying, look, we would have loved to played in this Ram offense. We are slot receivers. If you let us line up inside, go outside, get a rub over the top, we're mismatch, that's what we do. So you see Tutu Atwell do that, man. What did you see and why was this play so successful? Yeah, the Rams, uh, they did this all game, it seemed like. They were doing motions into these bunch formations. And when you play these bunch formations, a lot of communicating has to happen right. on the defensive side, right? You know, who's taking the point man? Who's Who's taking in out? Who's taking the crosser? There's there's all kinds of things, and that's just the the short list of it, right? Right. And in this particular play, it was man to man. I mean, uh, we weren't passing anything off. Uh, the guy that you lined up against is the guy that you're guarding, and the Rams got us because the Rams they motion Atwell down, and he he shoots in like he's maybe going to run a crossing route, but then pops out for what I call a high seven route, where you're almost hitting 
going up back to the back corner of the end zone. And why you're doing that, why the, the point, the reason why you shoot in is to cause confusion in the defense. And that's exactly what happened where we had our two guys ran into each other, right? When one was covering the option route, and the inside of this bunch was an option route who did a little, you're supposed to delay off the line of scrimmage and push, you know, six, seven yards. And you're looking. You get a pick. You get to go. You get to go inside if it's open. You get to go outside if it's open. And right here, he had a two-way go. Inside was open, and outside was open. And the defenders unfortunately ran into each other. And Atwell and Stafford's not going to miss that when two defenders run into each other. He's going to know who's going to spring open. They had the big 44-yard gain. Here's the good news: Detroit doesn't do too much of that. Their offense is a it's a yeah. bit different. Here's the bad news. Detroit is probably going to try to do some of that because the Hawks put it on film and show that they have a hard time defending it. That's how the NFL works. It's a copycat leave. If you show you can't defend something, you best believe the opposition next week is going to show you a little bit of that. All right, B, this next one, coming up, it's time to talk that talk. This one, we pick out a couple categories or some phrases or beliefs or whatnot, and he tells me why he's right. I tell him why I'm right. And since... I'm, I'm the host. I usually end up with the last word, so you guys, uh, you guys got to roll with that. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Time to talk that talk. I'm still here, but Moyer is doing Moyer things. So we got my guy, B. Walt, Brian Walters, for people who don't know. I feel like I got to say your name. I always say B. Walt. But, um, yeah, man, talk that talk. This is how that works, how this works, all right? I'm going to say a phrase or a belief or something. I'm going to argue to why it is true or false. And then my guy, B, is going to tell me whether it's true or false in the way he believes, the way he lives his life, all right, how he does his things. So here's the first one. The Seahawks' improved run defense is not a fluke. What they did last week is not a fluke. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I have to agree with that statement. Okay. I think they put in so much into the offseason of, of just revamping this D-line. I mean, the Rams ran 40 times for 92 yards. That's You can't hide that, right? You, you know, you can't disguise that. I so. thought you were going to give me the the uh, yards per game, Cornell. You didn't you didn't do it, huh? Okay. Yards per game. There's only one game. Per game. Oh, per game. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one, 92 yards per game. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, you can't hide that, but uh, it's, 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 it's for real. Not a fluke. Not a fluke. I am going to say it is not a fluke, but they're going to prove it this weekend because you got Gibbs. Yeah. And you got Montgomery. And we know those two can run the rock. So I'm with you. I believe that they got this thing fixed. I was surprised with how they did it, honestly, too. They played with a lot of two defensive linemen and then the edge rushers. All right. And played a lot of diamond nickel on the back end. I wasn't ready for that. I thought they were going to come out with their traditional 3-4 and do their thing. But they got it done. I don't care how they did it. But it worked for them. I'm with you there. So, all right. What we got? Man. All right. Agreeing, huh? That's rare. That's rare, Bump. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's see. This is a good one. I like this. This will be interesting. Uh, the Seahawks will end Jared Goff's streak of 359 consecutive passes without an interception. They better. They better. It's either Quandre getting picks or it's Tariq Woolen getting picks. Mike Jackson got one last year, the first of his career. And I can't remember anybody else. And I'm sure someone else got a pick in there in that situation. But those are the two things. Here's what I do know about Jared Goff. He's probably going to make the right throw. Now, when you have a quarterback who's going to make the right throw most of the time, that means you just got to make a play, 
right? You have to make uh, a play that no one expects. Tariq Woolen intercepted Jared Goff last year and took it back for six. So not only am I going to say they're going to end that thing, it's not going to be Tariq Woolen. It's going to be Devin Witherspoon, his first game starting as a Seahawk. Put some sauce on that for you, B. Wow. All right. Once, <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately, I have to agree with you. Right, okay. I want to disagree so bad. There's nothing nothing gets me more fired up than being able to stand up here and argue with you. But I got to agree. I mean, all streaks have to come to an end at some point. I think the larger the number for Jared Goff, the more he thinks about it. Yeah. And the more he doesn't want it to happen. And, and he, you know, may make a poor decision or do something. So, and, and I was going to say the same exact thing. I want Witherspoon's first game <laughs> in there. Come in. A little interception under his belt, and then we go from there. So I'm going to agree with you. All right. Well, you know what? We're probably going to – I probably know the answer to this one for you then. Devin Witherspoon <laughs> will be an immediate impact player for this defense. Well, if I said no on this one, I'd kind of go against what I just what I just said, right? right? So, so yes, duh, obviously. Here we go. Yeah, Devin Witherspoon is going to come in. He's going to make an impact. He's, he's a much-needed player. There's a reason why he is the fifth overall pick. Uh, we, we haven't seen anything from him yet. He's been injured, so I am excited. Couldn't be more excited. I want this to be the Witherspoon show in Detroit. Stop coming up, showing why he's being physical. He's stopping the run. Uh, that's what he's known for, right? He's yep, coming up yep. and, and making tackles like a safety, but, you know, playing that lockdown corner. So uh, this is a, an exciting game to see, one, the role he's in. Is he nickel? Is he is he starting on the outside? What is he doing and how much he actually plays? You know, wh- where, how how much Pete is, is he going to be on a snap count? How much Pete will get him in there? All right, so for the sake of argument, I'm going to say no. I'm just going against everything I just said. I'm going to say no because he's not going to get that pick until late in the game. He's going to have his struggles early because that's what rookies do, right? He's going to get acclimated. He's going to feel the speed of the game. He's going to have to settle down. He's going to make his mistakes. But then eventually, he's going to do what we both think he's going to do. So immediate, it's all about a technicality. How you define immediate? Is it like first quarter, second quarter, third quarter? Or we just talk about the game. Yeah, you took it very literally there. I the did. Because I was thinking immediate as in first half of the season. Okay. You know, first four games of okay. the season. But you went immediate like first quarter of this first game. Immediate. Immediate. Okay. You know? All right. Technicality. That's how the Wazoo brain works. Technicality. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Here's one for you. Jason Peters will play significant snaps for the Seahawks this season. I love it. I mean, 41-year-old, just bringing the wisdom to the team. What a, what a cool signing. What a good story. He said in an interview, he was, uh, he said, you know, 20 sounds so much better than 19, right? <laughs> this is his 20th season, which I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I would do. You say, I played 20 seasons in the NFL versus I played 20. 19. Both are very impressive, but, man, 20 is just on another level. Um, I'd take five. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> you got five. I would have loved to get to ten. That was what you get. Seven, I got eight? seven, seven, seven. Yeah, yeah. ten would have been my goal. But twenty, doubling. Wow. Um, but to answer that question, I'm gonna say no. I, I don't see that happening. I, I, you know, I see him being, being there, helping out these guys. But I, I, I hope for the Seahawks' sake that you know the two tackles will be back soon. Um, you know, we know Abe Lucas will be back what week six. Um, and then Charles Cross, I mean, we don't even know. Week to week, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, when you say significant snaps, to me that shows, that tells me, you know, he's going to be playing week in, week out. Right. I think I think he'll get in there, and I think he'll sub in for maybe a couple games, but I don't think it'll be a full-time deal. Yeah, um, I'm going off of the, the hope. I'm going off of hope that he's not. Because yeah. if he isn't, that means that Abe Lucas is good. 
That means that Charles Cross is good. That means that Stone Forsyth, who we spoke to today, is doing enough to, to kind of hold it down. That means Phil Haynes is all right. That means Evan Brown. That means that everyone on this offensive line, even though they might not get every single snap, nothing really drastic happens to make it to where we have to depend on a 40-year-old guy. I got nothing against 40-year-olds. I'm fighting 40 myself every single day, <laughs> B. I'm fighting 40. Got nothing but love for the 40-year-olds, 80s babies out there. Stand up. I love you. Okay. But I hope that we do not have to use him at a high clip uh, because that means that our future um, is a bit shady when it comes to our guys at that tackle spot. Could you imagine going out there at 40 years old? And I can't imagine route? going out there right now. <laughs> right now. Cannot imagine. My wife asked me all the time. She goes, oh, you can do that. I go, I'm good for this. Fair catch. <laughs> bam. Possession. Offense, you take over. Hey. You you look like you can still go a little bit. Yeah, until maybe a second quarter, my hamstring blows. I think. <laughs> I think that's what would happen. Uh, yeah, I feel good for that first quarter though. Uh, but and then he's playing. He's playing tackle. Yeah, I mean, he's getting contact. You're like you're calling fair catch, right? Yeah. You're not taking the hits. Nope. You're good. He's playing one of the most violent positions on the on the field. I mean, that is impressive as a 41. You know how I know I I, I couldn't do it the other day. <laughs> I tried to step over something and felt just a little pull in my groin. I go for real. And I, I work out, B. Yeah. I don't work out the way I used to, though. Yeah. That's messed up. I mean, I'm sore after I play golf. So, Man. I mean, that's like leisurely sports. All the time. The car, walk around, swing. Walk. Father time, undefeated. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. We're done with all that old talk. We're not. We're old in football years, not in not in real years, though. Okay. Hey, when we come back, man. What? First of all, let me thank the crowd that's still here, man. We appreciate y'all, all the love. We love it. Coming up next, man. We're gonna put a bow on the same. We're gonna talk about the uh, the matchup this weekend, the must win against the Detroit Lions. That's coming up next on Hawks Live. Sunday, the Seahawks look to get back on track in Detroit. Ken Walker did it like that last year. He's doing it again. He is so explosive. Seahawks, Lions, kickoff 10 a.m. pregame coverage starting at 7. It gets blocked. It's rolling near side. It's picked up by the Seahawks. It's Michael Jackson. On your home for the Seahawks, Seattle Sports. Streaming on the Seattle Sports app. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here. You guys come and join us at Bellevue Square Center Court. I appreciate the fans who came out today. We gave away some good stuff, man. We ate at Cactus today. We gave out a, a gift card there, also a gift card to Daniel's Broiler. And, um, you know, as the season goes along, we'll visit and taste uh, some other food from restaurants and give uh, gift cards out then. So there's incentive. If you want free stuff, you come out here, man. And then uh, we went to Cactus and uh, one, the brisket. Now, you can mess up some brisket, right? You know brisket. I- I've had some brisket that's kind of shady. All right, the brisket tacos were amazing there. They got a seasonal menu coming out. All right, it starts at uh, 928. They got roasted Brussels sprouts. Who likes Brussels sprouts here? All right, lots of I Brussels sprouts. All right, we, they got uh, avocado. They got, uh, I don't know, the butter cake. <laughs> they got a whole bunch yeah, of butter stuff. Cake. Butter cake, man. That butter cake. 
you like butter cake? I do like butter cake. Yeah. Butter cake is a fantastic dessert. I highly recommend it. All right. Didn't know Cactus had it. That's amazing. Hey, Cactus, they're versatile. Going back. Not just Mexican food. <laughs> they got a little bit of everything. I'll tell you what. Cactus is a big staple for me, though. You know, there's one in Kirkland, one in Bellevue here. It's just too easy. It's too convenient. It's right there. <laughs> I go there all the time, and it never lets me down. All right. Well, you guys, make sure you holler at my folks over there at Cactus. They'll take care of you. All right, man. It's time to talk about these lions to wrap this thing up. There's a couple things that concern me about the lions. You're facing a quarterback that does not turn the football over very often. So if you are to win this game, you got to make him do some things that are out of who he is, which is turn the football over. Another thing, Jared Goff was only sacked 23 times last year. Gino was top three when it came to sacks. Russell led the league in sacks with about 50 plus. I believe Gino was right behind him around the mid 40s. So Golf is only sacked 23 times, only sacked one time last week. If you want to win this ball game, it starts with getting after the quarterback, causing a turnover, and putting Jared Goff, as uh, Rabel would say, making him have a seat on his wallet. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I'm just shocked. It's rare you see a game like last week with no turnovers and no sacks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Seahawks didn't have either of them. So, so this is a great time to get your first, right? Get your first sack, get out there, celebrate with your team, and, and get that. We want it to be an interception. We want to end that Jared Goff streak, yeah. right? We'll take a fumble. We will. We, I'll be happy with a fumble. But, yep. but I want to see an interception. I want to see the secondary make some big plays and really uh, recover, or not, not recover, but come back from last week's, um, you know, performance against Matthew Stafford. So let's, uh, let's get after. Uh, but, but starts it's all together right the defensive line they can put pressure on golf he's gonna make bad decisions yep. that's what happens right if you let a guy sit in that pocket you can pick a part of defense i mean i might even be able to maybe not but i might be able to complete a pass you played quarterback in high school i did you? play quarterback in high school, Juanita Juanita high down school. the road shout out Juanita. <laughs> the ravens it is the ravens now <laughs> yes <laughs> um but you know you sit you can have a quarterback sit in that pocket for a while it makes their job a lot easier so pressure on the quarterback get some sacks get some get some uh qb hits first yeah. rattle them i think there was one qb hit last week except for on the flea flicker maybe might have been two kobe Bryant right. had one on the flea flicker so just it's all about that all about that pressure and and then get jared goff feeling uncomfortable back there i played quarterback two in high school did you i'll complete the pass b okay just run a hitch give me a cover three let me know what i'm looking at i will complete a pass <laughs> hey so another thing these guys say this is a confident detroit lions team that's a dangerous team they're confident they just beat the Super Bowl champions. Now, you can look at it and say, oh, Chris Jones wasn't there. Travis Kelsey wasn't there. You think these dudes care if those guys were not there? No, they do not. They're flying high with confidence. That's a dangerous team. So I'm hoping that the hunger that the Seahawks have after taking a loss kind of overwhelms these guys at their house with all the ski masks that are going to be out there and all the drama. Um, sometimes when you go on the road, it galvanizes a team, right? You bring them together after, after loss. You're on the road. I don't think many are picking these guys to win this game. I don't know where, what Vegas has to spread at. But um, this is a time for these guys to come together because it feels like a must-win game to me. Does it feel like that to you, B? It is a must-win game. And, and I always like going on the road. I always thought it limited distractions. You know, you don't have as many loved ones around. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, you, you're, you're just, you are. You're bonding with your team. You're eating meals with your team. You're doing everything with your team. And this is a two-day trip, right? You're going to the East Coast, so they uh, probably going tomorrow. 
Um, yep. And, uh, you know, you get Friday night just to, to hang out, whatever, hotel, grab some food in Detroit. Um, but you're just with your teammates, and so you get some bonding time, and, and it's it's always a always a fun. I always look forward to road trips. You, you played in Detroit before? I have. I've played a couple well, times. What the heck is there to do in Detroit? I don't remember what I did in Detroit, honestly. But I I liked it. I I always liked dome stadiums or indoor stadiums. Um, I'm not was, talking was, about the stadium. Yeah, well, that's you why. out there on a Friday, you gotta do something. My dad's from Detroit. I tell you I what, I did. When, when, when Pete Carroll on the plane said, two free movies tonight to the whole plane, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm in my room, I'm watching a movie, and I'm hanging out. That's what I did on road trips. I relaxed. I took, took the week and, 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 and got some, got some catch-up sleep. So oh, they broke the bank. Two free movies, Two huh? free movies. How about that? Nine ninety nine a piece. Yeah, that's they what broke it is. the bank with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, the Detroit Lions, they, they got some young talent, too. Right? I, last year I looked at both teams, and I go, they're pretty comparable. Right. You, you have a quarterback who's with his, well, at the time, Geno's like his third or fourth team, but getting like his second wind at this thing. You have a team that has offensive weapons, but you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think these teams are still similar, even though the Hawks are coming off of a loss. You still have a quarterback who's looking to prove himself in this league, right, to reassure people like, look, I am who we think he is. And then you also have some young talent around. So this is a pivotal game, at least for the Seahawks. With the Detroit Lions, they could lose a game and still be fine. But with the Hawks, they need to win this game. Is it uh, foolish to depend on young players like I think the Hawks might have to depend on? You know, it's not the ideal situation, but if your young players are as good as we think they're going to be, then then why not, right? I mean, I guess we talked about it early in the show, how it's nice that a guy like Jordan Love was able to sit behind Rodgers for a couple of years before now he's getting his chance to play, but you don't always have that luxury. Um, I, I, so, no, I, I think it's fun for these uh, to see these young guys get out there. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see Devin Witherspoon get out there. Um, and you're right, Detroit is in the sa- similar situation. I mean, they're throwing uh, Jameer Gibbs, yeah. uh, their first-round pick, uh, running back who I think will continue to get better and better. I mean, he had some electric runs last week, and he's coming in. So this is – you're right, these, these teams are almost mirror images of each other. Uh, and it's because last year they exceeded all expectations. Yep. Uh, every, anyone gave them. And coming into this year, um, fans, media, everyone expects nothing but, um, you know, playoffs, maybe a deep playoff run from both teams. Uh, and so, uh, and, and they're young, young teams. So, therefore, yeah, you're right. They are very, very similar to each other. Blue-collar type teams. The thing that now, when they're not playing the Seahawks, I root for the Lions. Because of the personality of Dan Campbell, the head coach, no one really expects them to do anything. Um, so this should be a battle of the blue collars in the NFL. You know, you got your superstar teams. You got your Philadelphia Eagles, your 49ers. Um, do y'all believe in the Cowboys? Every year they say they're going to do something. Y'all believe in the Cowboys? <laughs> Every year they're picked to do something. They come out 40-0 against the New York Giants. But something about the Cowboys I just don't believe. I can't buy into Jerry and everything that he's doing. But um, I like matchups like this because you know it's going to be a hard-fought game. It's going to be a disciplined game. Um, before I let you go, what is the main key for the Seahawks to get it done this week against the Lions? You know what? I'm going to go with big plays. I thought uh, offensively. Uh, defensively, we already know, but I want to go offense. Uh, the more the offense can have the ball, the better, right? We need to get that time of possession up. So I, I want to go big plays um, and, and just to be explosive. I think we had one or two big big plays last game which is unheard of the Seahawks are known for their big plays taking shots down the field using DK using Tyler Lockett let's get JSN involved 
Let's have Kenneth Walker, K9, break a big run because that's what you do. Give him the rock, give him the rock, give him the rock, and then he's going to break one for 40 yards. And uh, that's what we didn't see any. So um, I want to see the, the big play happening. It's, it's just important for the momentum, confidence, right? When you can get those, the whole excitement of the team changes. And that goes for defense too, getting that big turnover. I mean, that's a big uh, excitement and a big momentum swing that you just didn't have last game. There wasn't that big momentum shift. It was just kind of a lull, I thought, the entire game. All right, let's hope. They get it done. Man, I want to thank Brenna Rogers. She's the on-site engineer. All right. We got Chauncey. He's a production assistant. Nasha Chobie is the executive producer of this show. Brady Robig is back in the studio doing his thing. I'm Michael Bumpus. This is Brian Walters. This is Hawks Live. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Download the Seattle Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at seattlesports.com.